you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. You know, on the, on the way in tonight, you know, there's like thunder and lightning and, and uh... oh, sure, you were excited. To be honest, after uh, being being sentenced to live in Seattle, uh, we only put this fucking place on tour so we could get some sun. But I have to admit that your your, your thunder your, your thunder sounds better than ours in Seattle. So now that you have sun, you have better thunder. Fuckies. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and we're continuing on last week we did san diego and if that rings a bell and you saw what this episode is then you kind of get the gist of what we're doing here because we have a little tour that's coming in oh gee i want to say two weeks a little less than two weeks now 13 days if you're listening to this on the release date on wednesday and we're just going to do all these shows for the next couple weeks. They're all going to be locations that the band will be playing in on this West Coast run. This great nine-day run that we've been waiting for for so long. So today we're doing Phoenix. It's our first show that we've ever done in Phoenix slash Arizona. So it'll be interesting to kind of go through and see kind of what the crowd was like and see their history in the state and in the the city as well. Because it's not one that really gets talked about too much. So maybe the band comes out on May 9th and they play a show for a lifetime. You never know. They can come out and do one of the best shows they've ever done in Phoenix this year. But, hey, that's in a couple weeks. Why don't we work on what we're doing right now? And that is Phoenix from 2000. Randy Silble over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. Yep, you're yeah. you're giving me hope that that eventual Atlanta show is going to be a barn burner. You're, you're giving me hope. <laughs> Why? Because it'll be on a Tuesday? Oh, because you know they... That for a fact? Uh, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care, but they'll be ready to break out some stuff they haven't played in a while. Well, since that would we've be had the hope. Two hours since 2003, as I like to say. Uh, yeah, that would be the hope. But also, in places that they haven't been in a while, they want to 
I don't know, maybe like fill time with some of the stuff because you have to think how many albums did they not properly play there? Two. You know what I mean? Two. Two? Avocado and Backspacer. Yeah. Look, there's there's a lot of work to be done and and obviously I think whenever they go to a place that they haven't been to in a long time, then there's some kind of thought that go back to 10, go back to verses, go back to the old stuff, because that's what's going to work on this crowd, because that's always kind of seems to be the routine that they have. With Phoenix, at least they had been there in 2013. We're going on nine-year delay right now, which is nothing compared to the 2003 to 2013 delay, which is obviously 10 years. But it seems like the load has been pretty light for Phoenix. They also did not get an avocado tour date. They did not get a backspacer one. And even all the in-between stuff, they didn't get anything in there either. Yeah, it's like they're kind of in the same boat because, you know, they had 98, 2000, 2003. That was when they were hitting a lot of these. And then after that, like some places have gotten a lot and some places it's been pretty dry. Speaking of Arizona, because Arizona is pretty dry, so I don't know if that was uh, your intention right there, but... A little bit. Yeah, the the one thing, and I, I know that Dukes brought it up last week, but the one thing that I look at when I see these Phoenix shows is that, like... There are a couple things that you can take away from it. You, like 1995 is the first thing I think of and the open road improv. That's the one thing that's like, okay, you can connect that with Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody that should know it knows it. That's and, the first thing I think of when I think of Phoenix and Pearl Jam. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there aren't a lot of cities that are like this. Usually every city has like one or two things that you can attribute, but I think the point of doing this show in the middle of figuring it out was trying to figure out what Phoenix and Arizona's place within Pearl Jam is. And it's tough because they've just kind of felt like middling stops, if you know what I mean. It's never had a big moment. Like San Diego shows like we did last week always seem to have big moments. Mm -hmm. And... Phoenix has never had a moment. Maybe the show next month will be it. Look, that's what I'm hoping for. And a lot of people that I know are going to the show. So I'm obviously hoping that they'll have a good time and that they're going to get what they want, of course. And and even for the people that I don't know, like I want, of course, every Pearl Jam show to be memorable. And you know what? For the most part, it is memorable for somebody. And I think that's usually what we try to get down to in this show is the why for somebody. Why does this make sense? And for this 2000 show, like it gets overshadowed, even though there are very, very good stuff in it. But obviously you have to look at the date. This is 10, 21, 2000. What happened the next day? Uh, yep. There's a huge shadow lingering over it. Vegas, so, Vegas. But the, the one thing that I was thinking all throughout is that a lot of these shows on this run right here. They did nine shows within 12 days. A lot of these shows in this run, Albuquerque's coming to mind, I believe Lubbock, they're all super fast. And this fits right. Like, this is an hour and 53 minutes. And it just feels like it zooms by real quick. It's two encores, but it's not the two encores that we're used to. It's like very fast. There's a video, I think, that's most of the main set for this one, almost. And you're watching, and you're like, okay, like, and then it kind of stops. I'm like, go to the bootleg to finish it off. And I'm like, okay, we probably still got a long way to go. Like, nope, we're pretty much, you're more than halfway done at that point. 
Which is interesting because you look at it, 25 songs, 25 songs is is semi-substantial for 2000, but there are times in the show where they just rip through and literally there's no chance to listen to the crowd react. There's no chance to even take one breath because they are back to back to back to back. And I think that's what I'm going to take away from this show the most is just the endurance that the band has during this. And I think that now, obviously, they kind of don't play the sprint mode as much anymore because if they want to do more songs, which is their the idea of a Pearl Jam show is to get to to the 30 mark at least, then they have to kind of pace themselves a little bit. And usually what comes with pacing themselves is more Ed speeches. And it is funny because Five Horizons does say that this show is a heavily Eddie speech show, which put this against like a 2013 or a 2016, yeah, yeah. and it <laughs> pales in comparison to that. Different, uh, yeah, different frame of reference. Yeah, right. But I think that this one has its own standouts. And look, you know, when you when you think of especially the second leg, I feel like there's so many more on the second leg there than there are on the first leg. There are a lot of song choices that were used for the touring band 2000 DVD, and, and there are two in this show, Long Road and Thin Air. And this was just the time where I, I, maybe in the first leg of the tour, they were still feeling kind of the remnants of what happened a month before. But like they were uh-huh. really gelling in October, November, like this was a very good time for the band. And this is a leg that maybe gets noticed for individual shows, but not as a whole as much. Absolutely. There's some really good stuff. And like, obviously, Vegas and the final show in Seattle get all of the accreditation, which it should. Those are fantastic all time shows, but a lot of good ones in this little run. And like, you know, that first show in Virginia Beach, you kind of like were listening to them pick up the pieces in real time. And almost every night they were just going out there and and slowly putting it back together and by this time they had done that and that's you know thanks to the crowds and thanks to the you know everyone who went to these shows and and supported them and all the fans like without that like yeah this could have been a lot different but they were able to kind of like get their feet under them and soldier on and yeah it led to some really good stuff this is a really interesting time yeah absolutely and you wonder if things would be different if something so horrible hadn't happened like would this have been the whole entire tour who knows but they were able to find it during this run and these late october shows mid late october shows are just very very good look i don't i don't think we have anything else to to really tee up here like we mentioned like phoenix it's not seattle it's not san diego it's not chicago new york philadelphia but they do go back to Phoenix every now and again and make sure that that's not as much of an Atlanta as uh, well, like, I like yeah, that. It's no, the, I know. That's, the, that's the noun now. That's the place well, for. Yeah. That's, I that's mean, good. you brought it up. So sure did. that's sure did. And, and it's part of this show's charm, I guess, is that, you know, the day that Atlanta happens, we are going to have to do something massive to make it make sense. But <laughs> You know, at like whenever it does, like they're the standard bearer, you know, like they're the ones that they haven't had the longest layoff of a city, but it's one of the weirdest. I will put it that way, based off of the history that they have there. And maybe yeah. maybe there's some yeah. bias because I, I hear you talk about it every week, but yeah. 
you're not wrong. I will say that you're maybe not. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll do a Patreon where I, I break it all down and like all the missed chances over the years and like wanna, really really plead the case. I want to see a YouTube video of that. Get your face on on camera for that one. We'll have to see. You guys, look, you're the ones that can dictate that happening. If you want to see John on YouTube, because I've been doing YouTube stuff a lot lately. You want to see John on YouTube? You say the word, and John will get on YouTube. John barely shows himself in Zoom meetings. <laughs> He's going <laughs> to use YouTube. <laughs> we'll have to see. I don't think you're going to get a lot of emails, but we'll see. <laughs> oh, now, like, 10, e- ten emails now. Uh-huh. 10 emails, uh-huh. or at least messages. At least Is this messages one of those things where, like, messages. I'm going to need 100,000 retweets or something. We're going to do, like, a, a thing now. We're going to need 57 emails. When we're desperate, we're desperate, you know? Yeah. Hey, there's there's enough of me. I think we need more jo- hashtag John content. Oh, come on. <laughs> that's the last thing you want. I know that's the last thing you want is to be the, the, the visual of this, but you got to do at least one. See how you like it. See how it fits. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. If the if if the people want it, if there's a if there's a big enough swell of of response, then we'll uh, we'll see go. what we can do. John can be a man of the people, everybody. Yeah. So vote for John. Hashtag John content. Use it. Tweet us and <laughs> do other stuff. <laughs> if it doesn't go anywhere, then it doesn't go anywhere. But it's just fun to think about. Anyway, maybe we should just let the show begin. And the way that we're going to kick it off is with the song that kicks off the Touring Band 2000 DVD, and that's Long Road. your eye here right from the beginning mr stone gossips that would be the thing in his world famous cowboy hat and some skinny plaid pants that bear the cuff barely hits the sock stone's in prime fashion mode right here and although it's not letterman 96 it's up there you know it's classic stone yeah, it's mean you know people know from from the PJ Twenty movie that clip from the Vegas soundtrack where he's basically wearing the same thing. Like this, yeah. he was just he was just warming up the outfit here, testing I, it out for tomorrow the next night. Yeah, he did wear that during the Vegas show, right? Yep. The hat. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I'm I'm wondering because we brought up Lubbock, I'm wondering if he just said the hell with it and bought like a hat in Lubbock or, or oh, even yeah. 
I'm sure. Even Phoenix, there are tons of cowboy hats swirling around Phoenix, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if in this little southwestern stretch he picked it up and thought, yeah, this, this is very Stone Gossard, I'll go with it. Absolutely. The hat makes the song so much better. Uh, that's essentially <laughs> the powers in the hat on this one. So The hat what makes the, hat... the song better. I, mean, I, I never thought I'd hear that on this show. Well, you gotta find things sometimes. What, so, so what did the hat do to make this version of Long Road stick out and make the DVD? Stone has a really good build on these like kind of droning songs. These really like songs that are heavy on the rhythm guitar. That's Stone's wheelhouse. That's his time to shine. And it really rises and falls very well. Like this long road has a lot of like buildups and drop-offs and waves, you know, if you will, like we talk about. But I think too, it's Stone and Jeff's background vocals. They normally like, if, if they're there at all, they're very much like in the background, but it's very pronounced here. Like you can hear, especially Jeff, I think, but Jeff and Stone too sound really good on their background vocals. I'm in 100% agreement with you here that the builds are just so important with this. And, you know, it starts out pretty easy going and then you just hear that, like, when that kind of chord comes in and, and Ed's changing up the lyrics, like, that starts to soar. When that keeps soaring and soaring, like, during the last part where they're getting into elevated, I have wished for so long, I have wished for you today, like, it just keeps rising. There's a lot of songs in this show that do that, and I'm not sure if, if Long Road's the best of them, but Long Road, it's right there to define that theme for this show, absolutely. When they open with Long Road, they, they definitely got stuff on their mind. Well, think about how sometimes Long Road can dictate the momentum into a set, and either it gets really powerful and emotional where you kind of need like a huge pick me up right away. And I think that a corduroy would do that after that kind of long road, but a corduroy coming after this long road too, I think that this is just building off of all the positive power that this version of long road, I didn't feel that this one was tugging at your heartstrings as most versions of this is. I think that this one was just feel the power, feel it soar, and just let the energy hit you. And that was a good way of moving into what's going to be a monstrous four songs here, from Corduroy into Grievance into Animal into State of Love and Trust. And I kind of mentioned that really there was no room to breathe in some of these songs. And this is the section where you hear that. Like, after Corduroy, okay, one one clap, let's get into Grievance. Let's hit the drum roll for Grievance. After Grievance, all right, don't, 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 Animal. After Animal, don't, 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 stay alone and trust. Everything is just at this, like, frenetic pace here, and it's awesome. This is a great section. Definitely. Yeah, the long road into Corduroy is, is very good, and Corduroy, again, has the absolutely everything's changed, which was fairly common on the post-U.S. leg of this, this tour, but... I think it's Grievance is the the standout. It's, you know, it's the first binaural song of the night, the first new one that they're playing. That was just killer for me. Like, Ed has worked up on that. Just yeah, the, the, the yelling and the screaming, the growls, like, that was the early highlight for me. And then Animal gets really funky early on, too, and you finally get to hear the crowd a little bit. Yeah, to your point on Grievance, there's one point where he just kind of drops the guitar and like holds his hands up like and just screams out into yeah. the open. Like that was really cool visual to watch. 
And yeah, that that's probably a little bit of his most aggressive of the night. Do the evolution gets aggressive too, but like you're starting to feel it really early on, and it's kind of foretelling into what the show is gonna be. Corduroy's kind of kicking you into that, and Grievance is now building upon it. This might be one of the fastest versions of Animal I've ever heard. And I know we've said stuff like that before, and no, we're not going to go and test out the RPMs on this. Maybe we can ask Deb to, if she's so kind to, to do it, because she, she loves figuring this stuff out. But this was a super fast version of Animal, and just blows you away. Stone yeah. getting funky, like you mentioned, Mike's doing a little bit of funky stuff. Like This is just in the zone. And it's weird too, because if you look at the rest of the set, like, yeah, these four songs, very aggressive and very, like, on the front foot and, like, let's go out and punch this crowd in the face, you know? And after that, like, there's really nothing after this. Yes, you get a Lucan, which is super fast later, but that's super short, and you're going to get to do the evolution later, but this is not a big, like, fast rocker type of show after this. It's basically, after State of Love and Trust, it's a lot of soaring stuff, a lot of mid-tempo stuff, a lot of, like kind of classic 10 era stuff but yeah just a weird vibe and then for them to just like build on that build on that build on that and then not really go back to it i mean mfc's short and fast but it doesn't have the aggression that that these ones do doesn't have aggression but i think a lot of these songs that do soar kind of get that vibe of keeping that momentum that some of these had and maybe it's not like fast momentum i'm I'm thinking when we can get to given a fly we can get into that a little bit but Everything just kind of picks up from the next song. Whether it's fast or not, there's no dead spot, if you know what I mean. Real quick, because I love the State of Love and Trust. I just wanted to bring that up. State has never played this early in the set, especially this era or, you know, eras that we're most familiar with. Nowadays, that, that we've had the most recent sample size with. State of Love and Trust is usually towards the end of a set or maybe in the encore to kind of like get you back in and feel you up before the end of the set. Getting this here, there's some surprise factor to it, but also it's just the perfect kind of capper to this unexpected sprint. And Jeff and Stone are jamming together on it. That looks great. Mike has a really good solo in this, and he kind of starts out. I don't know if you notice it. Like, it's a little higher than his usual solo for State of Love and Trust. It sounds really good at first. He adjusts to it, but everybody's on fire doing this from matt to mike ed's vocals are tremendous in the show like the band is definitely feeling pretty good during this
it's interesting too because there's only two songs from 10 here including this one there's only four from the era out of the 25 song set for this to be early on like that to get a spot like this is a little weird a little unique like it's interesting that they would choose to to throw this into this early spot because you think it'd be the perfect spot for go or like a last exit or hail hail or something like that but none of those here just an early state of love and trust and yeah listening to it after animal immediately comes in state of love and trust like that perks my ears up like oh here's something different absolutely you, you, you got my attention now absolutely yeah that's i think that's a lot of why again if state of love and trust is in this show where it usually is then i'm like okay that's a good version of state of love and trust but because it's kind of the end capper and it, it feels like it's holding a little bit more weight as the last of the four i think it just makes the song stand out so much more i i agree with that all right the next little combo that we can go into now is dissident nothing as it seems and given a fly and although in between state of love and trust and dissident there's not an immediate transition like the last four just bam 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 there really isn't that much of a break it's still kind of going one into the other this is not a rush show at all but they want to draw you in right from the start and not lose any of that breakneck speed or momentum that they they've already built to this point on this version of dissident going back to kind of mike changing up some of like the tempo and some of the rhythm here one of the choruses he's really like down low on it like it doesn't have that really like high country sound it's it's way 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 lower than that I don't think I've ever heard that in Dissonant before, have you? Yeah, I don't think so. A lot of the Dissonants we cover either like from 93, 94, right. or they're from 2013 or 2016. 2000 era Mike, like he had gone shopping for pedals and he was using all kinds of different effects. Like, you know, we kind of, we talk about whenever we do these shows. So it could be he got a new pedal then got a little extra crunch to it and decided to use it on the song. But yeah, it gives a little more weight behind it. It gives it a little more of an anchor. like distance sometimes i feel like it just kind of like floats along and it doesn't really bite but that tone adds something to it and then ed adds the little improv little spoken line at the end there which is cool yeah about that now this is my gripe about dissident more than anything else is that ed at the end will just kind of take it as sarcastic and won't try to hit that and that should be a big moment every time that dissident hits you should be waiting for that and it just doesn't come And I think it happened in 2000 a little bit more where he's trying to change like the last lyric to it where he doesn't go back to finishing on a dissident is here. I went back to the Jones Beach version because I kind of knew that this was the one. I didn't remember what the quote was. But after dissident on that, it is escape is never the safest path, but it's highly recommended. So kind of like what we're going to talk about in even flow in a little bit that they introduce even flow a different way each time in 2000. I, I, I wonder if they were doing this more on distant in, in this era as well. Yeah, I would think that's a safe bet. I imagine probably not every time they did it, but we'll have to go through other versions to see 
how that kind of sounds. And, and we have a lot more 2000 shows that we're getting to this year. So just hold on to that thought. Ed addresses the crowd during this and looks for the people in the back and says hi to the people in the back. Asks if it's still like Seattle back there, meaning is it raining, I believe, because he's going to bring up thunder and lightning later. Beautiful night for a concert. Be careful. And unfortunately, we don't really know what he's suggesting here. We don't see it on the video. McCready's cut out of the video. So Ed says, this is the biggest McCready guitar pick I've ever seen. And I think you can get a gesture of what he's joking at here. Well, he does have a big guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Now, what about this guitar pick? What is he referencing with the guitar pick? Because we don't see that at all. Is that a mystery for us? Yeah, I don't know. They don't really address it on Five Horizons is kind of our Bible on stuff like this for things that we missed. Didn't really mention it, so I don't know. Yep. All right. Well, chalk that up to sending it back to the mystery machine. And If you were we'll there, s- let us know. We'll see if we can solve another case. That's going to get you into Nothing As It Seems, which is the Mike song, of course. And like I mentioned with Long Road, just great builds, great liftoff, working with the delay pedal. Look, I like you're even watching Mike trying to generate the energy off the feedback on the amps. Like that was very, very good. It's just another one that, although it's not fast, it just gathers momentum. It gathers a little bit of speed within the song while it goes. It just keeps building into that. If you were going to rank songs and years together, like take all the Nothing As It Seems performances from 2000, rank them up against any other song from any other year, like total, it'd be close to the top. This is this is definitely one of the highlights from the show. Like immediate standout, like fits the time perfectly. A weird Jeff song that had no business being the first single, but give it to Mike and and see what he can do with it and turns it into something amazing. Still one of the most underrated songs in their catalog, and he just destroys it here. Yeah, that's one of the things I love the most about when Jeff or Stone write a song, or even Mike when he writes a song too, because Mike has a lot of songs where he'll give the solo over to Stone. Jeff has a lot of songs where he'll give Mike a big moment or he'll give somebody else a big moment. Like They're very conscious of that. That's an interesting key thing to, to note when this band writes their music is that they're thinking of each other and maybe other songwriters that are more like ed that have way more creative control they're more thinking about what they can do and say all right you got something then go but it's not as collaborative as this and and look i I think it's a biased opinion probably but it feels like pearl jam has that aspect locked down really really well I want to mention Given a Fly, too, because I mentioned it before, like just building the builds that come from this and it's able to level off and it kind of starts that way. And then you can feel the rise, you can feel the soar, and then you can feel it kind of level off and you're waiting for that build to come back. Well done. Oh, and you know what? It can get intense. It got a little tense on the lyrics there and it found a little bit of speed. Again, I won't call it fast, but it found speed within its version it hits you right in the sweet spot that at least I love for for giving a fly that it still has the groove to it but it can build I love too you know when Ed has these little moments when he kind of lets you in on what's going because like there's a moment right before where it starts to soar and give the fly but goes here we go right and it's like yeah he's he's just along for the ride at that point and I absolutely love nothing as it seems into giving a fly like that's one of the low-key best 
one-two punches in their catalog like locked in the middle of the set like anchors the set perfectly together i love the way they kind of play off each other i'm looking at it here on life footsteps they did it a lot in 2000 these two back to back i think 14 times including the next night in in vegas they were back to back you know it's kind of been less and less common as the years have gone on but love these two back to back absolutely perfect so going into Wishlist and then MFC, a little bit of a yield combo section here. Ed says, I'd like to dedicate this next one to someone who he says he was in the audience. And I wonder if his uncle John lived down there because I really don't know. He said he taught me everything I knew until the age of 14. And then my uncle Fred came in, taught me how to smoke pot at the same time. And I forgot everything my uncle John ever taught me. So it was good stuff that got me through to that age, and it's still down in there now. This one's for Johnny Vodka. If you notice on the Wrigley versions, especially the versions of Elderly Woman that they've played in Wrigley, you'll notice where he'll sing, Thank You, John, for Taking Me. That's the same uncle, and he's credited to taking Ed to his first ballgames. So. Again, like that, I think that's the kind of the thing that Ed is suggesting here for, you know, his Uncle John getting him into baseball. That that was probably pretty huge for him growing up. Wishlist is the first one out of the gate right here. It was a really good three-person huddle up with Ed Stone and Matt just kind of getting together on this and very nice and in the pocket, even though there was a lot of horrible camera movement during this this one. <laughs> it's not a perfectly shot show, but you know what? It's the only thing that we really have outside of the stuff that was shot for touring bands, so I guess you really can't complain too much. The disco ball comes out at the end, and there's a nice little reprise. I couldn't tell what the first part he was singing was, but at the end, it's, I, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish i hope to make it true just a nice yeah, ending of that yeah i love these little sweet kind of outros that he would do where it's just very nice and like very kind of sweet and cute and like not not cute in like a bad way but like makes you kind of go like oh it's kind of like a nice little tender moment again wishlist from 98 to 2003 was one of the one of their best songs so yeah great MFC, like you mentioned before, MFC is very, very fast. I thought this was a really quick version, but again, tight and gathering speed, gathering momentum. They could have turned the ending to a bigger jam if they wanted to, because Solo, oh, Stone Solo. Oh, it was so good on this. I don't think I've heard him solo like that on MFC before, and I know Hmm. he usually takes the ending, but this one felt, it felt a lot different. It felt like he was going for something a little bit different than he usually does. And Ed says, you know, it, you know, normally he'll say, because it's Mini Fast Car from Roma, knows the, the story, but this one before he goes, the song's about a desert road, so it kind of gives it a different feeling. I mean, it put me in kind of a different frame of mind when I was listening to it, so yeah, it had more of like an open feel to it. Like, you think of Roma and the MFC, like, in a city, like, but this is like out in the desert, so kind of a different feel to it. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. Yeah. And just because we're always on Gnaw Watch here, in the first set of Nas, he cuts it short. It's disappointing, but I think today we 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 take a rain check with the Nas and we just, just move in the, forward. It's because it's in the desert. They're it's uh, open sure. air. They're not going to echo as much off the buildings. That's an excuse, but it's an excuse that we're going to have to take for today, I suppose. In between this, it says we're going to play one that you may have never heard before. He'll be embarrassed that I say this, but the great Matt Cameron is on drums tonight. He started playing this record over in Europe by a band called The Laws. This was in Barcelona. And there's only one record of theirs, and every song is great. So they go to Timeless Melody. (laughs) 
something that they were doing very much after this. They did it a couple times in 2000. They would do it one more time outside of this year, I believe in like 2003 or 2004. And then it evaporated until recently where the Earthlings brought it back, which is very interesting because is there a revival of the song on the horizon? Yeah, it's interesting. And you got to see it, right? Was it one of the shows you went no, to? No, I missed it. No? It was okay. the next night. Yeah. Okay. I just want to talk about the laws for a minute. Like, I think a lot of people know the laws without knowing the laws because everybody knows that, you know, There She Goes, that song that was covered in the, the late 90s or the early 2000s, mid 90s. There was a band that covered it and became kind of a big hit, but that's a lot. Yeah, wasn't song. that in like a teen drama show or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think so. It's been in a bunch of movies, probably too. That's like everybody, it's something that everybody knows. And like when it comes on, you're like, "Oh, it's that song," but that's the cover of the Laws song from the early mid '80s. And Matt Cameron is right; like that Laws record is just perfect power pop, sweet harmonies. Like if you're into that sort of music, like go check it out because like Timeless Melody is just one of those perfect pop songs that like never got played on the radio and nobody ever heard it. And then like they recover it and play it. And, you know, you talked about it's always kind of you think of it being stuck in this era for 2000. You think of Timeless Melody, but it's great. It's like it almost reminds me of Better Things or, you know, kind of these 60s songs. Like it's got that kind of classic feel to it. And I love that they brought it back. Like I think they had Ed and the Earthlings played it, what, four times I'm looking at here. Yeah, I'm hoping it'll be uh, on in the front of Ed's mind when he's making some of these set lists for this tour. We could see it come back. We'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, the hope here is that Matt gets jealous that they, that he brought it That's into right. the Earthlings and saying, right. "Okay, now I gotta do it. Now we gotta do it. Let's <laughs> let's let's get back on the horse on this." So one can hope. I really like the song, and I would really like to see it. I think it's fun. I, I think it's just bubbly and poppy, like you said, and it just brings a positive attitude, a positive mentality into the set list. It it, it fits like a glove really well. After Timeless Melody, Ed says, here's another one you might not know called Gutter Punks and Whiskey. Well, what kind of song could be called Gutter Punks and... Oh, it's just even flow. They were doing this... If, if, only, if only Pearl Jam had a song called Gutter Punks and Whiskey. Oh, God, that would be my favorite song without even <laughs> listening to it. Jeez. That's the, I, like, I actually... Do a Dropkick Murphys style song. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. early Dropkick Murphys, not right. not Dropkick right. Murphys now. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The early, early like do or die kind of shit. Yeah, sure. Well, like every night he would introduce it at a different title. And there was one that was cigarettes or something. I forget what it was. Yeah, something in cigarettes. But the one that yeah, stands out to me is the Scotland one was in a big country because of big mm-hmm. country. So yeah. that's that's yeah. that's one of the ones that stands out. Anyway, look, we can go down the line and find all 46 versions on this tour and see what they did all 46 times. I think that actually might be kind of funny. But this one, Gutter Punks and Whiskey, I don't know if a lot of them are going to beat that. And coming off of that, they are just fast from the jump. They jump into this. And it's fitting the mold of kind of what the earlier stuff like we talked about, just that momentum continues to pick up. The song continues to build like there's some really good mic moments there's some really good Matt moments. They're kind of playing off each other really well. Once you kind of get towards the end a little bit there, like Mike is kind of doing his best. I always call this section kind of his Carlos Santana impression where it's taking it a little bit down from what he's doing on the solo and, and starting to 
build back up and allowing for Matt to kind of fill in. And when Matt comes in while Mike is doing that little Spanish guitar kind of sound, Matt picks up and, and it goes and it just rips for the whole ending. Matt murders the thing and we get a really big never vote Republican at the end, which is going to come back later. Oh, Mike is just ridiculous on this. Like, he's doing his Eddie Van Halen thing, which is, again, going to come back later as well. But he's just on fire within the beginning of the solo. I think at one point, Stone just stops playing and just is just watching him, just kind of, like, shaking his head. I think, like, what is wrong with this guy that he can do that? Yeah, it's a highlight. Yeah, definitely go back and watch this because it's even better, like, watching the video than it is on the bootleg. This episode has just turned into one big teaser for the rest of the episode, hasn't it? It's just, yes, you keep going. It, it's, it's gonna pay if, off if you like what we're talking about now, we're gonna get there soon. If you like what we're talking about now, then right after yeah. the encore, you'll get something even better than that. Does that keep people around? I don't know. We don't have the metrics on that. But anyway, look great even flow and that's going to get you into an equally as great insignificance which is going to be backed up by thin air which is like we mentioned before on the touring band dvd and there's a moment in the beginning of insignificance that i thought was really interesting and it got me thinking just for a sec i don't want to elaborate on it too much but i'll let the listener kind of think for themselves on this but in the intro you hear the drums drop out a little bit, and the drums are so important on this song. They drive the song, and you just hear the guitars kind of go, and it makes it a lot more ominous than it usually is. Of course, when I hear that, I'm like, okay, that would be an interesting experiment to see this song stripped down a little bit. Try to think about it. Try to think what it would sound like in your head. Would it work? Would it have to work acoustic? Would it work electric with a little bit more of the toned down drums? What do you think? Just giving you a little homework here. Anyway, another song that just has a tremendous build. Steady, and then that big high when it explodes. And, uh, you know, we talked about this last week, and comparing a 2000 show to a 2013 show is, is apples and oranges at some points, but I, I didn't love the way that they kind of built this song to the end. I thought that there was no rise. It felt like it just kind of stayed the same pace and then just coasted into the end of the song. And this one kind of got me back in to say, like, I felt bad that I thought that way, but listening to this version, I'm like, no, no, I, I had a reason because this one just, it elevated and then the bottom dropped out. This, this is really good. And again, I, I feel like I, I got to say this every week, but Insignificance has been one that's just been on the top of my head. It's been one of my favorites for the last couple of months. And every time you get to that part, it's just that's the biggest part of the song. And can't say much more about it. I love it. Absolutely. This is a killer version. I think it's helped by some of the momentum off of Even Flow. Like they're still riding that high a little bit and it, it makes this version, I think, even better. And yeah, this is absolutely a highlight. That break, too, especially just like drops and then kicks back in and just like, oh, it just sucks the air out of the room and then throws it right back at it. It's perfect.
too much on thin air, and that's weird because it is the selection from from the DVD. Yeah. But like listening to it, watching it, and and I don't. This has never been one that's really kind of fit into my wheelhouse as it is, and I don't think this is one that's really fit into yours either. But at, at least like there's some like crowd encouragement, and there's some clapping, and Ed says in the beginning it's Stone Song, and he wanted to sing it for a friend, and I just didn't think that there was anything that made this special enough to make a dvd and the only thing that i'm thinking because i'm looking here at the two legs that that they did that most of the material was on for the dvd they played this seven times most of the times that they were playing this this year came from the european dates so I, i wonder if they said we need to get a song like that in because it blends in nicely and they said we have a good recording of this we'll go with this because outside of that, I don't know what the real reason for choosing this specific version was. Not that there was anything bad with it, but it doesn't pique your interest as much. There's something going on in the For a Friend line. I think that's carrying a lot of weight there. I think this is probably there is something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. And maybe they, they felt like this version had a little more weight behind it because it was it maybe for someone and they wanted to do that for that person. And, and you know, we don't have to know all that stuff. That that stuff is between whoever it was and the band. So that was my thought is that that was why this one had a little more weight behind it is because it was dedicated to someone. Because sometimes he'll, he'll say who it's dedicated to, but this one he doesn't. He just says for a friend. So I got to think that there was something going on behind the scenes. This was going out as a special dedication to someone who needed it. And if that's the reasoning behind it, then I support it about 100%. Again, not one of my favorites from this album, but that's okay. It's for somebody else, and that's good too. All right, this is the moment I really want to talk about, because we have not talked about this on the show at all. The intro into Better Man is a little Spanish classical guitar medley called Romanza. freaking love this intro they did it 14 times 13 in 2000 then they would go back and they would do it in mexico city in 2005 which makes sense obviously but uh anytime it comes up it's just like it's a little bit romantic it's a little bit like melodic it's really pretty and going into better man that kind of has like the perfect sort of segue into what that like they're a little bit different they're a little bit like different tempos but it just all meshes together so wonderfully and the very few times that they've done it it's just one of these things that doesn't get talked about enough within this band and i feel like it should like i feel people should go back and and say you know as much as they talk about like a save it for later tag they should talk about remember the romanza intros those were freaking amazing 
I'm with you. I, I like this as well. And they did a lot, but then for whatever reason, it never really stuck. But it's a lot like the end of Wishlist, where it's really sweet and like kind of tender, and it kind of makes you go like, oh man, like. It kind of makes you think like Ed would have had or maybe still has a career as like one of those crooner romantic types, you know. Wasn't that really what his, what his dad was? Wasn't he? Yeah, that, a little bit. That? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm kind of surprised like if he had had a solo record earlier, maybe there's been a little something on this, but I'm surprised like this didn't come out on like ukulele songs or something. Like he has worked up like a ukulele rendition of it. That'd be pretty cool. Would be, yeah. I wonder, I, I wonder look, if he ever did it in his solo shows. Yeah, because he does Better Men all the time yeah. in solo shows, so it, it yeah. would make sense, but that's another mystery machine thing if you know the answer to that because I don't have the full history I don't think you do either on Ed solo no, shows yeah. so if Romanza has Romanza Romanza I like Romanza a little bit better but who knows if that was interpreted in Ed solo shows then yeah I want to know about it I want to hear it because it's just such a beautiful melody that goes into this and then the version of Better Man it's tight it's in the pocket. It doesn't extend upon itself. It doesn't have any tags at all. It's exactly what you would hear on the record, but in its picking up momentum live form. So short, but very crisp, but it's just fitting in with a lot of these songs that have these builds and these rises and soaring moments and just getting to the really, really good points like that. It's a very solid version of this. And, you know, Better Man had gotten to the point where it, it could be that kind of big anthemic showstopper part, but this one feels a little more direct and a little more like getting to the heart of what the song is. It wasn't trying to be something that it's not. And, and you know what? I, sometimes that's the best that a song can be. And sometimes yeah. that's all that a song could be for most of these. And Better Man is lucky enough that it was a big single that it was a song that everybody in the crowd reacted to really well that they were able to kind of extend upon it but having it be a song that's right to the point too like that makes for an important moment because especially a little bit after this era it's pretty much all saved for later from here on out so this one it makes something like this stand out for sure all right lucan goes in the rear view mirror and that's going to end your main set lucan It was getting a little bit of a better treatment from 96 to 2000 in the way that Ed wasn't bulldozing through the lyrics. However, this, not so much. Yeah, this is going to almost one that's like, there are no lyrics until about the halfway through the verse. He's just kind of spitting. Yeah, it's up there. I don't know if he just felt like he couldn't get the words out fast enough and just decided to to scream. But yeah, it takes, takes him a minute. Burying the lead of River Mirror closing the main set, and it's a very, very solid version of River Mirror, probably better than average, which average is very excellent. And you're hearing Mike and Stone kind of doing their own pedal effect duel with Ed in the in the back doing his Ebo thing, and Matt is just keeping up a torrid pace. Like he's it, it feels like in most versions where you have this, and I, I, I sort of think the experimental versions kind of happen in, in the Jack era and Jack kind of like just takes it down a little bit. He doesn't go too crazy until the buildup at the end, but Matt completely different style during the bridge, which which I like because it just kind of continues the momentum and it, it then goes down when you hear Jeff's bass line kick in and rises right back up right away. I thought very, very good version and Ed's voice on the screen was, was excellent. And then he elevates it. I don't know if you noticed that, but like 
right at the tail end of that rearview mirror scream, he elevates it and it goes directly into the I gather speed line without even taking a breath. And I, I don't know how many times he's done that, but it sounded really, really good on this version. that steals the show yeah fantastic bridge again it was a transition from jack into matt with the song and matt was starting to kind of put his stamp on it and and make it his own thing and yeah just fantastic i mean how many good things can you say about it a lot more the ending was just a blast and it blazes a trail and it's a great way to end and look it starts off with with a really fast-paced momentum with corduroy and animal state of love and trust and grievance and all them in the beginning and then it kind of finishes off on that high point too so yeah it's it's telling a story within the main set very very well done all right we're at the encore so let's pause for station identification talk a little bit about what we got going on in the patreon world and the live on fourlegs.com world let's start with uh, a little bit of patreon because look we're getting very very close to the tour we're still looking for some funding for some equipment and obviously expenses like gas and car rides and food and and just things that are going to help out and kind of lighten the load on on both of us while taking this uh, this trip because you know again we wanted to be as at as many dates as possible and the way that we're able to kind of do that is to get help with the smaller things so if you want to be able to help on that then please donate through our patreon the way that you can do it is patreon.com slash live on four legs go to the app just download the patreon app and then search for live on four legs you'll find us there or you could do the best thing for us. The best thing that benefits us is to go to liveonfourlegs.com and then go to the button that says become a patron and just sign up right on the website. It's very, very easy. And look, $1 a month, which really the best thing to do, got to say it every week, like a broken record, but the best thing to do is just the $10 a year thing, because that's going to get you the bonus like It's going to get you everything that's on the Patreon platform, and then you don't have to worry about payments until this time next year, whenever you do sign up. So there's that. There's also the Giga Leg tier, where that is going to get you a requested show. And you get to tell your story on your requested show. Hopefully something that we've never even thought about before. Because those are the shows that we like the best. The ones that people dig into the stories that we're just not thinking about. The shows that we're not thinking. Kind of like what what we're doing today with this show. This was never really on either of our radars. But we needed to do something to kind of help out the Phoenix people. And kind of get them excited for, for going to their show. And then there's the Horizon Leg tier, which is $10 a month, and that will help out our liveonfourlegs.com page and what we're building over there, which we're building Concertpedia, and we're doing a lot of content, and obviously there's going to be way more content coming when the tour happens, and we got stuff going on. Like, before these dates come out, we're going to be doing, like, top five moments of all the locations that they'll be in. Like, we're going to have San Diego, we'll have Vegas, we'll have LA, we'll have one for Phoenix here, so... 
We'll figure out, you know, what from this show deserves to be on that list. And again, I think the important part is going to be Concertpedia stuff, because when these shows are over, somebody's got to tell the story and, well, we want it to be us. So that's the Horizon tier. And also with the Horizon tier, you will get to have a profile episode. You get to have a profile episode and talk about your Pearl Jam fandom, and that'll get put to Patreon, and people can listen to it on Patreon. And we'll, again, that's part of your show request as well. So you'll get a requested show, and you'll get the whole package that comes with it, especially a profile on liveonfourlegs.com. One patron to thank this week. Let's thank Scott Norwalk for joining the bonus leg tier. Thank you so much, Scott. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Donation, donation helps out a lot. So, yep, that's that's what we got. Anything to add to that? Yeah, just keep checking out liveonfourlegs.com. Like I said, there's going to be stuff going up on the blog. We just did our uh, fantasy league draft, so you'll probably be seeing some stuff about that up there. It's going to be fun to keep up with as the tour goes on. But yeah, just going to be something. Hopefully, you know, when these when these shows are happening, we're going to have a lot of stuff going up. That's right. Yep. And look, there's no attempt to be what the what Five Horizons or Two Feet Thick was, but we just want to keep it up because there's not a lot of other people that are able to make the time for it, and we're barely able to make the time for it, but it's something we're really dedicated to. So if that's something that you want to help out with, if you, if you want to check out all the writings, and there's so many great people that helped out and volunteered for that. Definitely. And help. If you are listening to this right now and want to write Pearl Jam recaps and reviews, then please get in touch with us live on sure. podcast at gmail.com. More the merrier on this because we got more years to go, which is just it's going to be a lot. But again, that's the dedication part. So if you want to help out with that, just get in touch and we'll put you in the right direction. But yeah, again, a lot of great teamwork that, that goes into building this website. So Hopefully you guys give it a view and give it a little bit of support that it needs and uh, it'll just keep growing. All right. Back into the rock. We get into the first encore. Ed thanks Arizona. And then did you hear that there might be a little bit of a why go home chant in the crowd? Did you hear that? No, that's interesting. Yeah, I heard a couple people. Why (laughs) go home? Why? And I don't know if that was a chant to say like play longer <laughs> or if it's a chant to be like hey why go hasn't been played in a long time let's, yeah. let's come on yeah. let's, let's get it in but yeah. i thought i thought it was interesting ed says on the way here there was thunder and lightning and kind of mentioned before you guys in the back it's like seattle out there i, I believe that was alluding to the weather and being from Seattle, the only reason why we're here is to get some actual sun on this tour. A little bit of a joke there. That's kind of funny. Speaking of thunder, there's a guy running for president. His name is Ralph Nader. We've offered voter registration, but we never told people who to vote for. But fuck it. You should vote for Nader. Do the reading. He wasn't allowed to debate. So just pick it up. Pass it around. You guys have gone to, gone to college in the morning after you've done beer bongs all night. Just pick up the paper. Read a little bit of about it. Thanks for letting me talk about it. Yeah, he was a, a huge supporter of Ralph Nader and the Green Party oh, during yeah. this time. That's no secret there. And this was really the first time that he ever actually publicly endorsed somebody. He never did it for Clinton. And it's just interesting because obviously of what happened during this election, but just imagine if Nader was able to get that percentage to vote 
He, yeah, uh, needed needed five percent to get the matching funds. Yeah, right. Like, imagine if he had that, and imagine kind of what our political state would look like now if yep. we're yep. kind of able to to work through some of the two party system and kind of mess with it a little bit. But obviously, that didn't happen, and it's more of a mess now than it was back then. So that year was probably the year that changed it all. But anyway, not a political podcast. Once and do the evolution kind of kick off your encore here, and you're kind of fitting. The similar idea as the main set, just being pretty fast-paced. This once in the the breakdown part, Mike has a little bit of something funky going on during that breakdown. It's not singing anything during that, but that like it could happen to me, it could happen to you. That little part, like this is just Mike kind of just playing with stuff, like working with this a little bit. I've never heard that out of once before. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen once open an encore before. That was a little bit different. This was kind of like. Really? Oh, you're going to go back to to, end, to open up an encore? Like, it felt like a weird choice, but... Felt a little odd, um, but... Yeah, it didn't really, didn't really do much for me. Especially with that you know nowadays that this is the part where they're easing you back in, and kind of once kicks off, you're like, eh, this, is, this isn't really the one to get you going, but I think for a lot of other people, they might feel differently, because I think you and I are on the same page with once it's not a top of the pecking order of our favorite songs at all. Yeah. And it's just kind of on yeah. the back burner a little bit for, for a, a lot of other people. It's a, as, as Justin Wilson likes to say on deprogram, it's a, it's a album one track one and it's still very important to people. So yeah, I, I think that probably others that were there, took it in a different light and especially you're going once into evolution evolution's just going to take that spotlight and just run with it this is a really good version of evolution it's a little crazy gets a little wild maybe even a little sloppy at times but another one where stone just has a really cool fucking solo oh yeah ghost don't go like you mentioned it you know during mfc these yield songs and the stone solos are always very good we get a very rare lyric change. You don't get this often, but sometimes I like to sing it to myself when I hear it. I'm the first mammal to lose my pants. My favorite is I'm the first mammal to shit my pants. That's pretty rare. I think that was happening a little bit more in like 06, oh, maybe 03 to 06 kind of era. But again, the song is just high energy, shitload of fun. So Ed says that the next song we did in the studio with Neil Young when we were younger and he was older. He has since gotten younger and we've gotten older. T- tomorrow night is the, uh, not that it's a really a big deal or anything, but it's, it's good. You see a lot of bands that can't keep playing together for a number of reasons and they're all understandable. But uh, tomorrow night is actually, it was, it was 10 years ago tomorrow that we played our first show. Thank you. 
So I think 10 years ago tonight, we were in the basement drinking beer, practicing. And that was, that was back when we were drinking Rainier beer. Remember that night, 12 pack of Rainier? Uh, of course, now we can afford Chimay. But uh, I, I will say that uh, tomorrow night's show is in Las Vegas. I hope it goes as good as this one. This has been great. They're looking forward to tomorrow. It's on their minds. If people didn't know, then now they know. And I think back then, you know, information would circulate. But I think there were a lot of people that were just like, oh, I love the music. I want to see the band. But the history wasn't quite sinking in yet. I think when they hit the next day, that begins sort of the infatuation for their history. But that's my opinion. That's my take on it. That might be a little bit different than what actually happened. But anyway, we already did that show a long time ago. So go back into the archives to find it. I Got Shit is going to go into Crazy Marion's small town. And I Got Shit was incredibly good. The crowd was up for it. And it felt like the band got louder as the crowd got louder. Especially at the end where they kind of break and they jump into the the last part it felt like the crowd was just picking up all this energy and the band was like all right let's extend upon this and the whole thing was just raw it was just tight and it's it sounded really freaking good and i I know you're you're not going to really have much of a different take than i am because this is one of your favorites so absolutely it's just you know it's that line about just once i could feel love stare back at me like it's spine tingling like it brought chills like this is upper tier on this i love getting both merc and ball songs on this this show too that's always mm-hmm. really cool little thing you know it pops up always appreciate it and something you don't think about every day but yeah I, I got shit is fantastic here just soars in the way that off does to get into what now is considered a rare kind of version of Crazy Mary, because obviously in 2000, what's the factor that's missing from Crazy Mary? This one, Boom Gaspar. They brought it back in, and look, like, 
go listen to the evolution if you haven't listened to it yet. Like we put out, put together a two hour long explanation on the whole live trajectory of this song. It, I think we did a really good job with it. A really hard one to do too. a lot of moving pieces in it. And I'm not sure if we talk about this version specifically, but I do remember listening to this version. It was part of my listening project. So what I was getting from it, I was just saying like, how do they fill the boom space? How do they fill what is known to be like that high octane B3 sound in there? And what they do is honestly, it's not too far off because you want something loud to kind of fill up that space. And it's Mike just doing this vibrant staccato strumming that's that's filling this hole. And I thought that that was excellent. There's no stairway to heaven tag on this or anything like that sometimes they kind of groove with it but this really found some energy and, and like a version like this potentially leads way to finding this role for boom that would come in a couple of years had talked about it where they were starting to jam on it a little bit and starting to play around with extending it and doing some different things and if boom never shows up and if this is all it ended up being then great it still would have been a great song it still would have been a highlight it still would have been one that people loved but this is the thing before the thing and like that's this is the show before the show and like this is the crazy mary before the crazy mary era so yeah, it seems kind of like quaint in retrospect. You're like, oh, it's just kind of, kind of nice. But yeah, no, Mike absolutely tears it apart. This is one of the better pre-boom versions, I would think. It's sad, Phoenix. You come off as a bridesmaid, and I, I, we don't intentionally mean to do that. But And you know what? Like The world needs places like that. It needs bridesmaids because... We'll see what happens next month. We'll see what happens they're next back, month. Right. Oh, yeah. And like next month, you could be the main event. Yep, they've, they've got something to look forward to. I calculated this one. This version of Crazy Mary was five minutes and 30 seconds long. That feels like it's not bad, but it's nothing compared to eight, nine, ten minutes. sure. Of course. 2005 versions, 2006 right. versions. So, right. you know, just to, just to give some clarity to that and see what the difference is, how, how much of a difference that, that boom makes on it. So, Small Town, I thought, was really, really good. And... It fits more in the narrative of the show where they can build the speed, they can just build and rise and start to soar with it while not going over the top with it, but still picking up momentum as it goes. And it's so rare, especially nowadays. We know what the song is nowadays. It's a sing-along. It's the one where you want to get the crowd reaction. One, two, three, four, two, three. That's the whole point of the song. But this one, there's just no bullshitting in it. Like, it's very heavy on that. He's doing the drive most of the way. And that second verse, it just pumps itself up. And again, just rises and rises until that moment to fade. Oh, like when you hit that, like then you're able to kind of drop out. And that's where the crowd gets a really good response on this. I like, this is really good. You don't get versions of small town that sound like this too often. Just rock and roll. Yeah. Just like insignificance built off of Uniflow, this small town 
builds off of Crazy Mario and I got shit a little bit. Like it benefits from from being right after that because you've got the crowd worked up at this point. You're in the encore. The crowd knows this show's going to be over soon. Small Town's the big sing-along that everybody knows. And it has a different feel wherever you find it in the set. Like if it's early on, then it's the big sing-along to get everyone warmed up and get everybody in. And it can be a big kind of more folkier kind of version, more of a campfire to bring everybody in. And like when it's at the beginning of an encore, it can be kind of like the cool down part where we're going to have a little bit of a sing-along and it's not going to be as rowdy but here you know like i said it's it's rock and roll it's like one of these electric versions that's like we're building up momentum towards the big finish here this is interesting here because we don't usually get Bob O'Reilly closing like a first encore and really in 2000 the idea of bread and butter is not really a thing because there is no alive it's small town and small town kind of gives you the moment where that could have gone into an alive but again encore two is only gonna have two songs so baba and rocking in the free world and maybe one or two other songs could replace it but this is the spot that you would think that alive would go in and then potentially go into baba afterwards but you're giving this its moment and it almost doesn't happen where Bob O'Reilly is the highlighted moment of its section. You know what I mean? Where like it just gets its own little moment. It's always part of bread and butter. It's always alive, Baba, Ledbetter. That that's how you see it. And you can forget that it's great on its own. And it's still a party song. It has the crowd captivated the whole way through. They're enjoying every minute of it. Just another one where Mike and Stone are just playing off each other while keeping up with Matt at the same time. Big party atmosphere, like I said. And yeah, big ending that feels massive. With Stone kind of finishing off playing that chord progression, which is interesting, like the actual song chord progression at the end instead of like more of a, a stamp on the finish, you know what I mean? If there is an encore two, it's weird that Bob O'Reilly wouldn't be in that instead of, and they, it's closed shows before and things like that, but it's all about, like you said, alive is absent, so they're having to substitute some things and mix some things around to kind of make it work, and this is what you get as a result of that. But yeah, I thought this one, again, we haven't really talked about the crowd a lot in the show, but a big crowd moment here, which is cool. I thought it was a little sloppy, a little janky, kind of in the middle, but again, it's, it's Bob O'Reilly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be technically perfect. So didn't take me out of it or anything. But again, this is the moment that you've been building to, you know, this whole encore where everybody gets to throw up and scream and we're in the celebration mode now. You know, it's funny because on paper, you don't think of like soon forget as being the one to sort of pick up on it. It feels like you can lose momentum with it, but hearing the crowd participate on soon forget, this is like the second time in three weeks we've had to say this, but the crowd eats this up. It's in encore two, like it's Ed coming out by himself with the ukulele and there's no mistakes out of Ed. And he reminds the crowd that, Hey, Pete Townsend also played a ukulele. If, if you're judging him for playing this small little instrument here that, you know, makes this high pitched kind of whiny, a little bit sound. And they are totally into it. They're buying in. It's just massive. There's a huge reaction at the end, you know? Like, I, and, I and just... he gets through it. Like, I'm almost tempted to make this my number one moment just because he got through it. He got through the stiffening line. He, he got through it the might clapping have been the one. and like, made it the whole way without having to stop and, and redo it. So, yeah, A+. Plus. Yeah, I, I'm just, like, 
is still how much the crowd loved the idea because I you talk to a lot of people now and I think a lot of people have soured on like ukulele songs and maybe that was a miss for some the idea of him busting out ukulele to, to play a couple songs at a show nowadays is just he's not he's not playing soon forget he's playing kind of other stuff so maybe people aren't really picking up on that but back then like this was a, a again like I mentioned at Katowice this was a novelty for people they loved this they loved how different it was how unique it was and, and that was the problem because people would be so into it that they would mess him up. It's yeah, like the, the clapping and they, there's some points you have to be like, all right, everyone be quiet. Like, I need you guys to be quiet and stop doing that so I can get through this. But yeah, here he, he makes it through. Yeah, it's great. Where I'll listen, a man will soon signaling to Keely to turn the house lights on. We get lead better to close this one out. Pretty heavy kind of version. Like, you know, they, you feel the drums kind of pounding on that, and maybe that energy that is being received from the crowd is, is something that they're picking up on for the end. And good version. Like, lead better is not one of those that it's like heavily dissected on this show too often because it, it, it it's in its spot it's doing what it does and it's sending the crowd home happy however we got some interesting things at the end here they're interesting for me because hmm. Hmm. there's a little story attached to one of these songs so it's very van halen there's two van halen references there's the one it's ain't talking about love now look i've come on the show before a lot of times, because I'm on the show every week, so I've, I've come on this show, trust me. And I'm a Hartford guy. Hartford has had their reps with this song. They, they gotten it twice, and it felt like it was their song. But even well before that, a decade before that, they still kind of had it in the zeitgeist a little bit. It was still, because McCready is such a big Eddie Van Halen guy, that he still would pull even like a little noodle out every now and again, he would do it. And it comes here, and no, look, this is Hartford's song, but I'm not going to get on Phoenix, because they they didn't know. They didn't know. Spokane knew. Spokane knew. Phoenix didn't know. So you know, you know what Hartford you did, Spokane. <laughs> you you done fucked Calling up. you out. You done fucked up. <laughs> That's why they're never going back to Spokane. The, the great the great Hartford Spokane War. <laughs> oh, the mayors from both towns will be uh, traded yeah. nutmeg and and yeah. forest trees or something like that. I don't know what Spokane has, but anyway, yeah, we get ain't talking well, about yeah, love. Watch, watch them play it in like some random place on this tour, and you're gonna just lose your shit. It's gonna Look, be hilarious. I, I'm going to be in Sacramento. I'm going to walk out the door. Yep. I will yep. walk out the door if that happens. Probably not, but you know, I'll, I'll act like I have some bravado. Be like, oh, that was it. That was it. Well, that's when I dropped Pearl Jam. It'll be my version of Bush Leaguer. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. So we, we get even a little bit more of Van Halen where a little bit of the eruption solo in there, which hadn't been done before. Yeah, so this is the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it became a thing. Like, 2013 that's that's when it kind of became the mic showcase moment but but here it's just yeah i want to fuck around i want to fuck around with this and 
why not? It's it's always impressive. So why not do it? A little bit of the finger tapping and away we go. And that's we we know really. you're very good, Mike. You don't have to prove it to anyone. <laughs> that's the end of the show. That is Phoenix. Now we're up to some top three moments, which I got the call to go first this time. And there's a lot of moments that I feel comfortable adding to this, but now is the chance that I have to figure out what's what. And I'm going to say that number three is Romanza into Better Man. Again, you don't get to hear this intro very often. We haven't covered every single show from 2000, so there's stuff that we're missing, and this is the first time we did it. We are going to end up doing it in a few months. It's part of a show that, that is on our radar, so we'll get it again. We'll talk about it again. We'll gush about it again. But, yeah, just, just that intro into that, how much that excited me. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this. I'm going to say that my number two is honestly like the section with I Got Shit, Crazy Mary and Small Town was just excellent. Like I loved every performance coming from this. I thought the Crazy Mary stuff was really interesting. I thought that Small Town, like getting that energy on Small Town was was very good. And then this I Got Shit just just shatters glass, you know, like it just cuts and yeah, like I can't pick one of the three, so I'm just gonna roll with the whole crew and encore one right here because there's there's not a damn thing wrong with it. Number one, look, I could go with the section at the top too. Corduroy Grievance, Animal State of Love and Trust, but I do like this version of State of Love and Trust a lot. I was digging the surprise, I was digging how it fit, and it kind of got me thinking, like, yeah, maybe this is something that can happen in the future. Like, maybe this is a pick me up in the beginning of the set more than later in the set where you're kind of in your groove and it feels like, okay, this is supposed to be where it is. You put it at the top and it's like, what do we have for the rest of the night? I'm pumped. I'm excited. Yeah, uh, Stay Alone Dress was awesome for this. For my three, I'm thinking about this, and, you know, I'm my top three, I'm going to end up digging into a little more for the blog, for the making of a moment, giving this a little more thought as I'm listening to this and write about. So my number three is Timeless Melody, and that hit me in a, in a good spot on this show. Like, a lot of nice moments in this show, and, again, a great pop song, unappreciated. So that felt like a really nice moment, kind of a cool, rare thing from this show. That's number three. Number two, I'm with you. I got shit. Absolutely blows doors. And my number one's given to fly. Honestly, there's not a bad choice on the bunch. Like you can kind of take long road. You can take nothing as it seems, even flow. You can take a lot of these songs. And if you want to tell me that that was the best moment of the night, who am I to disagree with you? So yeah, it's a good show for that. But does it have the big moment? Does it have the moment that transcends? And this is where we get to rate this. And look, I think it's it's vastly underrated. I think that people that talk about what came after it and what came a little bit much later after it with Seattle, like that's the stuff that they're going to take out of this era. And obviously those things are massive. Those things are big. But then this show I call Glue Show. It puts the tour together. It's the reason why the tour was so good. The stuff that was really good that was the reason why those shows were really good. But you, when you think of the tour as a whole, this identity of this show is kind of what this tour sort of sounds like. So it has that. But look, there's a lot of great moments in there. But it, to separate it from the pack is very, very tough. 
And I think I'm going to go with an eight and a half because of that, because I really loved listening to it. I don't think we said a bad thing about any performance. It was fun to listen to. I would recommend it to anybody. But as for like elevating it a little bit higher because of like having the one thing to take out of it, that if this was the only show where they did Romanza, then yeah, okay, maybe. If this was the only show they did Timeless Melody, and oh, absolutely. But it's part of the glue. It's part of the glue. And, and that that's totally fine. And that's acceptable for an eight and a half show. All right. That's good. That's a, that's a little higher than I was expecting you to go on this, but that, that's good. I'm right at seven and a half. I think this is above average for sure, but I think it falls more into the category of like a nice Pearl Jam show than like a classic Pearl Jam show, or like you mentioned, like a transcendent Pearl Jam show, just not enough big kind of crowd moments, not enough just big emotional hits that like those classic 10 out of 10 shows have. So again, like I said, nothing wrong with it. Enjoyed listening to it. Love 2000 tour. This is right there. Seven and a half. Yeah. Seven and a half are good shows. Like don't take that as like being a C plus it's, it's a different rating system. It's just trying to show you kind of what the top dogs are supposed to be. And to me, this is like right beneath where a nine show that really gets talked about is this like is, you said this is this is kind of the show before the show like of course exactly. next night they would go on and like th- this was part of that like th- this show was what it was and it helped that show be be what it was so especially with interesting wardrobe, so we, <laughs> well it's also interesting because we didn't bring it up but ed was sick that night in vegas so does mm-hmm. he get sick during the show? He didn't sound like he was sick during any of this. His voice just was perfect from this night. So I, I wonder if after the show he was like, oh, yeah, I, w- I went a little too hard on Do the Evolution or something like he that. He went and know? hung out with some gutter punks and drank some whiskey. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Let's get to talking about what we're doing next week. And we're just going to continue the line here. We're going to continue doing more locations. And next week's location is a location that I'll be at. It's Sacramento, and their history in Sacramento kind of similar to Phoenix. Phoenix, a, a few more places in, in, in between, but they did 95, they did 98, and they did 2000. And after 2000, this will be the first time coming back in 22 years. So we're going to do Sacramento from 1995 because it's been a long time since we did a 1995 show. we got to get them in. Of course, it's one of the best tours. And I believe we'll, we're going to have a special guest coming on to talk about it a little bit and talk about it. I think it was his first show, one of our patrons, Dylan. So he'll come and talk about it for a little bit, and you'll get to hear his stories from it. So that'll be great. That'll be fun. And look... Any support that you want to give to the podcast will be greatly appreciated through Spotify and Apple. If you want to rate the show, subscribe to the show on those platforms. And on Apple, you can leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. Let the other potential listeners know what you think of the show. And hopefully it's all five stars. But it's usually mostly five stars. I trust in you guys that you're going to do right by this. So... Always looking forward to your feedback, of course. And, you know, we're just glad that you guys are tuning in as as much as you're tuning in and that we feel like this is thriving. So we're going to keep doing this week in, week out while tours happen, while tours don't happen. doesn't matter. We like doing it. So you'll know when we don't. When we don't, we'll, we'll, we'll tee you up and we'll say, all right, we're doing a Nickelback podcast. Oh, I just said Ooh. a dirty word. Ooh. I just said a dirty, dirty word. Okay. Take it right. back. Take it back. We'll do a Fugazi podcast there that I'll go. know nothing about. 
or very little about oh, it. Like, like you're a Nickelback expert that was going to be right in your wheelhouse. You were going to come a, a lot of hot takes on Nickelback. Well, I got a Nickelback story, but I'll save it for later. So <laughs> it, it has nothing I, to do I with this. I appreciate that. We all appreciate yeah. that. It has nothing to do with this, but anyway, let's uh, let's close the show out properly. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already. Miss you always. Tour, tour, tour. It's coming very, very soon. And next week, we're just doing more to get you guys excited for it. So if you're going to Phoenix, hopefully you enjoyed this one. If you're going to Sacramento, we'll see you next week. Here we go.